Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris. It's good to be back on the mic with you today. Um, today is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. I mainly want to answer an email that came to me from uh, an old friend who uh, I've been corresponding with for a long, long time. And um, and he had some really good questions, mostly surrounding some of the stuff about the coronavirus, but but as it relates to some stuff in Bible prophecy and some other really good questions that actually I had to sit down and think about for a little while to see uh, what I thought about them. So I'm just going to read the email here, and then we'll jump right into some thoughts about it. The first thing he notes here is this quotation from Bill Gates at some event he was speaking at uh, about forced vaccinations, where he said, quote, eventually we'll, we will have some digital certificates to show who has recovered or had been tested recently, or when we have a vaccine, who has received it. He continues, my main concern with this whole thing has less been about what people are rumoring. Is this one of the end times seal plagues, which I'm glad you answered, but more along the lines of, do you think this has anything to do with the mark of the beast or setting up the mark? I'm of the understanding that the mark won't come until after the Antichrist is revealed and does the abomination of desolation, etc., to stay chronological, but I'd be interested in your thoughts if you think this has anything to do with the mark or is just laying the groundwork to force people to get the ID, which will tie into the mark, etc., etc. Relatedly, what are your opinions on forced vaccinations from a Christian perspective? Do it, fight it, hide? And that's the end of his email, but I did want to add something to that, which is the uh, new idea that we're starting to hear about, uh, about this sort of digital dollar, uh, this sort of blockchain-related Federal Reserve note, I guess, that uh, is almost certainly going to replace the dollar at some point in the future. I if that does end up happening, will that have anything to do with the Mark of the Beast as well? So I'm sort of piggybacking on his question there. And I do want to say just in general, as I kind of alluded to in the last podcast, this whole coronavirus thing is like a party for the new world order. I was thinking of of some memes as I was setting up here to do the podcast. And, you know, like uh, there's this one meme of like these people dancing like really crazy. I mean, that, that's like the new world order right now with the coronavirus. They're just getting everything that they wanted, uh, imagining like some shopping spree where like somebody's got their whole arm in the shelf and they're just, you know, <laughs> you know, bringing all the, the boxes or cereal boxes or whatever into their, into their cart. That's the new world order right now. They're going to get a lot of stuff advanced uh, in, in this kind of crisis and really any kind of crisis. We saw the same thing with 9-11 and the Patriot Act and all that stuff. So, and I know I'm a little bit more fatalistic, I think, in some of that stuff. You know, the new world order is going to new world order and I, I, I have said before, and I really do believe that God calls a lot of people to different types of ministries, including things like preserving liberty and, and government and uh, in various sort of political um, lobby situations that sort of have been helping to preserve the liberties that we do have for as long as we, we can have them. Uh, but the Bible does paint a picture of like we're going to be talking about, the Mark of the Beast situation here. The world is descending into the most non-libertarian world that you could possibly imagine. It's going to get there one day, and it seems to be by chipping away at it. Although, you know, it, it is helpful to remember that we are kind of, it's more like a going up and down. I mean, if you look at the, the ancient past under various kingdoms and all kinds of stuff, we've been in much, much less libertarian situations than we are now, and it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. So I'll take the Bible stuff first. So let's talk about what I think the Bible has to say about the mark of the beast and some of my views about it. 
I've tended to take a fairly straightforward view of the mark of the beast, which is not to say that I that I think that the system that will ultimately be used to implement the mark of the beast system could be all kinds of technologically advanced, something interesting, whatever. Um, you know, the sky's the limit, whatever. It'll probably do something interesting. But I think at the very, the very basic idea of the mark of the beast is it is something that you choose to do with your eyes wide opened, either because number one, you want to worship the beast and you desperately want to be associated with him. As, as we're going to see, there is a lot of people for a lot of different reasons that the Bible says they're in that camp. They are eyes wide open. Give me that mark. And then there is, it seems to be possibly a, a separate or overlapping camp that takes the mark of the beast to get along just because they have to in order to buy or sell. But God doesn't give him a pass and we'll see that uh, too. And that is because it is abundantly obvious what's going on. They're still having to make an eyes wide open choice to definitely not be associated with what we now call today Christians, what everybody will know are the Christians that are being killed, that are being persecuted as a part of being anti against this system that the world loves. They say, I don't want to be a part of that. The Mark of the Beast is almost first and foremost to ostracize those that won't take it. It's almost people that have to say, let me not be associated with those Christians. And if they are Christian in their heart, quote unquote, well, then they're apostatizing if they're doing that in order to feed their their stomachs. And that's that's not good. And, uh, and again, even worse, eyes wide open, they're saying, yeah, then I'm going to go ahead and be associated with that because with this kingdom over here that certainly looks a whole lot like the Antichrist, even if they can explain to themselves in their heart, and hey, maybe he's just a bad guy, or may, maybe he's not all that bad of a guy, but he's not the Antichrist. It doesn't matter. They're associated with a, with a kingdom that is killing the Christians, and that in itself is bad. And again, for no other reason, just to either not be associated with those people or to not be killed and to get food and to be able to buy or sell, et cetera. So you kind of see where I'm going with this, but I really want to walk you through what the Bible has to say about this because, um, because it, I think it, it, it absolutely clears this issue up for the most part. And a lot of the interesting and, and sort of, you know, sometimes out there theories about the mark of the beast typically will zero in on one aspect or another. So it's either the 666 or the right hand or forehead or the buying and selling. That's pretty much the big one that's, that goes on all the time um, or, uh, or, or whatever. The thing is, is that you have to have all those things. And I think a lot of times people associate one with, you know, it'll, it'll turn into the others. For example, I've been hearing ever since the early days of, you know, in my early days of like Hal Lindsey on, on cassette tape <clears throat> that, you know, as soon as digital currency was introduced, that was, that was it. That's the mark of the beast. Once we get rid of cash, a cashless society, there's the, the buzzword, that was the mark of the beast system. And, you know, I even think probably in Hal Lindsey's defense, he, he meant that it would be a part of the mark of the beast, or that would be easy to implement the rest of the mark of the beast stuff if the cashless society existed, not that the cashless society in and of itself was the mark of the beast. Because if you zero in on that one phrase, you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. Well, then if that's your sole criteria for what the mark of the beast is, then then absolutely, it, you, you have to be afraid of a cashless society because you can't buy or sell unless you have this digital dollar. Well, I mean, that's true of money, isn't it? I mean, isn't money then therefore following your criteria, cash or not cash? You can't buy or sell unless you have money or something to barter with, I guess. Maybe it falls apart if you can barter. But you could probably do that even in the Mark of the Beast system. I bet there's going to be some bartering off the books. So anyway, 
the point is you can't just have one of these things. And the 666, you know, that's all over the board. And uh, most of the time it absolutely doesn't work anyway when people are trying to fit something in there. But we'll talk about it. So let's let's read first. I want to read the first part of Revelation 13 because I want to get a picture of these worshipers first because I think it becomes pretty clear we're dealing with some uh, some true believers. Uh, one of its heads, speaking of the Antichrist, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And we're going to see, well, we won't see it here, but in the rest of Revelation, this becomes almost a title for the Antichrist. The, the one whose mortal wound was healed, they worship the beast whose mortal wound was healed. It, it really makes this connection here. It says, follow the beast, but it really makes a connection, in, at least in one sense, some of these people follow him as a result of this uh, healed wound. Uh, he is the one, apparently, in my view, he's probably resurrected. He, he, uh, and they say, wow, that's pretty awesome. You are a pretty awesome guy. Uh, then it continues, it says, and they worship the dragon for he had given authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it or who can make war with the beast? Uh, so here we see another reason for their eyes wide open worship. He is a protector. He is, if you're on the Antichrist team, he has got a God of fortresses. No one can beat him in battle. We see in Daniel that he is just, he runs over countries. He takes their gold. He is unstoppable. He has some supernatural ability to win at war and he is going to just do whatever he wants. So to be on the Antichrist team is to be on the winning team. And I think a lot of people will uh, do that, especially if the geopolitical situation is, is uh, pretty interesting before he arrives. He was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and, and, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. So here we see a third aspect of this, this, this haughty, blasphemous mouth. He's got a, a, an entrancing speaking ability. And I think that he wins quite a number of people over to his side because of that as well. So the Antichrist himself has these qualities that people go eyes wide open um, into worshiping. But a little bit later in Revelation 13, we have the Mark of the Beast introduced, uh, and it's introduced via the second beast, the false prophet. Um, it says that he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast whose mortal wound was healed. Uh, let's skip to verse 16. Also it, the false prophet, causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, uh, that is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. And it's important to remember that's 666, not three sixes. It is 603 score and six. It's a, it's a, it's a number. Um, in any case, so there, it's not entirely clear if we should associate these ones that have been marked, you know, all these people, both rich and poor, free and slave, small and great. Should we associate them with the worshipers? Is it, is it as simple as saying, well, we know that you're not going to get tricked into mark the you know, the mark of the beast because you have to be an eyes wide open worshiper because it kind of sounds like, and he also does this. He causes everybody to get a mark. So are these people maybe less sold, less all in than some of the others? And it's interesting. I think some of the other places in, in Revelation speak to this just a little bit. Uh, let's see. Um, Revelation 14... Nine. Let's start off in verse nine. And another angel, a third, followed him, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image 
and receives a mark on its forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. Skipping down to verse 11b, they have, well, they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of its name. So this and whoever receives the mark, you got the worshipers of the beast and its image and these that receive the mark. Um, let's look at another one. Let's look at uh, Revelation 16. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. Revelation 19, 20, and the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who was in uh, its presence and had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And number, uh, and verse 20, Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw the thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw those souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So what's that phrase? It's a distinction without a distinction is what I want to say, but it's, you know what I mean? There, there's making a distinction. The Bible's saying those who worship the beast and those uh, who got the mark, but it's making a distinction in terms of the verbiage, but it's not making a distinction in terms of the punishment, uh, the, the condemnation for both groups are equal, but there is a kind of a difference between them. They're not qualitatively different uh, exactly, it seems like that, and except in terms of their judgment. So, so my interpretation of that is um, that it's not it's it's not so strong to say, oh, you you won't get the mark unless you worship the beast. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that get the mark um, that that maybe aren't full for the beast, uh, but they are definitely going to do it to disassociate themselves from the the Christians that are going to be killed because that's an integral part of this whole thing. The Antichrist has been given authority to kill these people, and certainly that's what happens after the abomination of desolation, the greatest persecution of all time begins, and people do not want to be associated with those people. Um, and I think there's a little bit of apostasy going on there. I don't think that that's one of the reasons a, a true Christian can't get this, is because in order to do this, you have to essentially say, I am not one of those. I'm not a Christian. I'm not one of those people that everybody hates uh, and that are being killed. I don't want to be associated with them. I don't want to be associated with Jesus, at least if the Antichrist is pretending to be Jesus, I'm not sure, but I don't want to be associated with their Jesus, in other words. And then, and then, yeah, there's also the aspect of, well, I don't want to lose my job. I need to eat. Uh, I need to feed the security that I get because of being able to buy and sell. So there's also the carrot and the stick there. Uh, I don't want to be killed and I want to be able to eat. So they take the mark. So they might not be as wholly committed as these people who are enthralled by the beast's words and his ability to make war and the fact that he's been resurrected. There's those people that are just all in. And then there's these people who are just uh, had to make a decision one way or the other, you know, you got to serve somebody and they end up serving certainly the wrong guy. So a couple takeaways from this is number one, you got to have a false prophet before you can have a mark of the beast. Okay. So depending if you've got some weird theology about who the false prophet is, um, then you might be able to have a mark of the beast like 
pre-70th week of Daniel or something like that. But it's, it, my understanding is it's possible that the false prophet exists in that first half of that seven-year period. I think that he's obviously going to come first. I mean, the whole thing is he's going to be this, uh, you know, false Elijah, this guy that has to come first to point the way to the Messiah. That's that's the the, the joke of this whole thing is that he's he's acting like a, 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 a John the Baptist in a sense. Um, and he calls down fire from heaven like Elijah does. Of course, Elijah, uh, the prophet, will be sent before the day of the Lord, Malachi 5, etc. So he's, he's acting like that. And it, whether or not that's how this plays out or not, that's the idea that the false prophet will institute the mark of the beast is an absolute for sure doctrinal certainty. So the false prophet has to be on earth and doing something, calling fire down from heaven. Okay, so we're in the midst of at least some of that. In other words, the true Mark of the Beast system won't be implemented until then. And my personal view is that the Mark of the Beast system, while it may have some rumblings towards that middle uh, midpoint of the 70th week of Daniel, it's not until the abomination of desolation when he declares himself to be God that he reveals himself, as this uh, emailer has said, uh, that, that you can even have the nature of the Mark of the Beast can even exist. This this uh, choosing of a side, they wouldn't really even know that they're choosing this false god uh, if it wasn't for the abomination of desolation. In other words, you have to have, in my opinion, an abomination of desolation before you have the implementation of the mark, especially because when you start to read about the, the, the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, it does also mention the you know 1,260 days, the authority of the beast. It's not explicitly tied to the mark of the beast. You can't, it's really hard to to, to make that connection, but at least tangentially, it seems that this is all in that sort of this horrendous persecution directly after the abomination of desolation, though admittedly, that is not as, uh, as uh, clear as I would like it to be. But to answer the question that he asked here is, could this um, ID system or anything just be, maybe it's not the mark, but it could be laying the groundwork to force people to get the ID, which will then tie into the mark, etc. You know, and that's certainly possible. You know, anytime, let's say this whole world situation, we all ended up going into a world government and as a result of this, and therefore we all had to get our, our world ID number. And in that scenario, sure, there would be a lot of people saying this is the mark of the beast system, or at least it could be a system that could be used for that. I would say yes, but it's not. I mean, I I, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I guess I'd have to get it right. I mean, I, I mean, it gets it gets a. It gets a little too close for comfort when you say, I have to get this in order to buy or sell. Then you're starting to, to remember all these phrases in the Bible. But, I mean, looked at it objectively, it can't be the same thing. It's not what the Bible is talking about. Again, it might as well just be cash money if the only criteria is that it has to be something that you have to have to buy or sell. At that point, we're just sort of, it's just a semantics or scary kind of thing. I'm not pro it. I'm against it. And But I mean, even take it a step further. What if this new world ID that we had to get also had to be put in your right hand or foreheads and tattooed into your right hand or forehead? And okay. And even then, I mean, obviously I wouldn't do it. It's far too close for comfort for me there. But the reason it would be too close for comfort is because that's the two, you know, two of the three things or two of the four to five things, really, because I, I believe it also is associated with all the stuff to do with the Antichrist and that uh, it seems fairly fairly obvious that it is. 
but it doesn't say 666 or whatever. And in other words, yes, all this stuff could be part of the system, but the mark of the beast is just not so easily missed. Um, it's not going to be something that you're going to accidentally fall into. And I don't think that's the God that we, you know, that seems like a pretty obvious thing, right? You know, God isn't going to be like, that, that seems like very out of the nature of God that if you ended up getting this vaccine, you had to get your, your papers in order to prove that you got the vaccine. And I know that certainly the email person is not saying this, and I'm just, this is more for somebody that might take a more radical view of this kind of thing. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't jive either with the Bible or what I know or, or believe to know about the uh, personality of the God of the Bible. He really seems to be giving people a choice to do this or not to do this. And I don't think anything less than eyes wide open is going to do if the punishment is your eternal soul. So I guess that right off the bat talks a little bit about the blockchain situation. Uh, just a little bit of history about that. A lot of you know about um, Bitcoin, which is kind of digital currency. A blockchain is something that uh, is sort of a, a algorithm that makes it uh, uh, impossible to sort of hack, basically. And because of all the qualities of that, it makes it a really good currency. And it makes a lot of sense. There's a great, uh, great documentary out there about blockchain. It just, it's just a really interesting idea. And I think it does make sense as a currency, at least in some aspects. Um, but the idea here is, and I've talked a little bit about this last time, is that the dollar is going to crash. We're printing money like crazy. And I, it seems like everybody is pretty much on board with that. This is totally not sustainable. And the dollar will crash. It'll probably take a while. I don't think it's going to crash tomorrow. I think they're going to be able to, to do some funny business for a few years or whatever. Probably in just enough time to make all this, this new blockchain, federal blockchain situation work out. So one of the reasons it's talked about recently is that it was proposed in one of these bills, uh, the, the $2 trillion job that got, I think, passed through Congress today. Uh, and then I think it's still in one of the bills, maybe the... Um, there's another senator's sort of bailout bill that's still in one of them. I don't know if it still is today. I mean, I don't, I'm not exactly up on the idea about where it's being passed, but it's just like anything else. They first sort of throw it out there, and now it's official. You know, now it's an official thing that can be debated on seriously, and it probably will show up in another uh, another version of a bill later on. And of course, the Federal Reserve had to be on board with that. If you like, you proposed in a bill, hey, let's have the Federal Reserve produce a blockchain currency. <laughs> it's not like the Federal Reserve were like, oh, you want us to do what now? Uh, we, uh, sure, I guess we could figure that out. They already know what they're doing. They're already got it planned, you know. So it's almost a certainty. And that, of course, brings up the uh, buy or sell aspect. And I think that I've already basically answered that, is that uh, if the whole world was forced to take this uh, form of currency and you couldn't even use any other currency, then I don't have a problem with that. I would use it. Uh, uh, yes, that not buy or sell without it. But again, that's what money is. I mean, it has to have so many more qualifications before it's even in the ballpark of this is the mark of the beast for me, uh, let alone put it in my right hand or forehead. Uh, it's got to have 666, but it doesn't matter. But the 666 thing, that is almost irrelevant because no matter what it is, no matter if it has anything to do with numbers at all, people will make it be 666. You, they will make anything be 666 if they want to bad enough. Um, but my personal view is that whatever whatever the situation, because I view the, the mark of the beast as something that's going to be happening 
as a result of the false prophet who's pretending to be Elijah, people are starting to worship this guy who can apparently do miracles, has defeated most of the world in warfare. The temple in Jerusalem is built. He's sitting inside of it, declaring himself to be God, uh, has done all this stuff, and has then created the worst persecution of all time against Christians. In that environment, I'm expecting to know exactly what 666 means in relationship to his name, and it's not going to be ambiguous one iota. And the buying and selling is more is less about a monetary system as it is about uh, these people, these Christians are illegal. The, the, the persecution uh, and the, the hatred of the world. People hate them so much. I've said it many times, but the idea of your brother turning you in and your mother saying, he is one of them. Go get that guy. He is one of those Christians. The world hates them so much. They want to be disassociated with them. The mark of the beast is more or less a way to make them more illegal, to make them more pariahs. Uh, so yeah, in the context of that, I'm expecting to know, to know exactly what 666 means uh, and am not going to be worried about a blockchain situation or whatever. I mean, I'm worried about that for other reasons, uh, liberty reasons and a new uh, a new fiat currency reasons and a host of other reasons, but not Mark of the Beast reasons. Finally, let's talk about your papers, please, and uh, forced vaccinations and whatnot. I got to tell you, the vaccine thing is one of the things I just can't even stand anymore. I mean, uh, if I had kids, and it's one of the reasons I'm just so glad I don't, is that I uh, would just, I would not be dealing well with this whole vaccination situation. I would be way more like radical out there and I'd have like all kinds of websites up and like, you know, YouTube videos out there just, but I've been thankful that I haven't had to be <laughs> as radical about that as possible. Cause man, the world hates anti-vaxxers. I mean, they're like the, the, the most hated people in the world. And this whole Karen thing. I just can't stand it. Uh, anyway, so I am not pro-vaccine by any stretch of the imagination. That being said, I think that, that vaccines possibly can be good vaccines. If This is my understanding of how vaccines work, and it's a little more complicated than this, but it's basically like a shape situation. So viruses have shapes, and the, and your, the antibodies in your, in your body, they sort of remember those shapes, and they sort of form a way to stop that shape. But they need to have like a template shape in order to form antibodies that shape, if that makes sense. So the idea of a vaccine is to culture that virus and then to kill that virus through radiation or, or whatever, to kill all those viruses and then inject those viruses into somebody so that they're, they're inert viruses that can't hurt you, uh, but then it allows those dead viruses to interact with your antibodies who then form shapes or, and this is totally not probably how it works, but this is my understanding of it. And then now they know that shape and they won't be infected by that thing. I don't know if, how much it works, but that seems to be the process. Now, what I don't like about vaccines are a lot of the tangential things. I don't like the thimerosal and the mercury and all of that stuff and how that basically fries brain cells and uh, not just babies, but also adults and Alzheimer's and all this other stuff. I don't like that sometimes the live virus, the, the viruses aren't killed enough and that they can inject live viruses into you and give you the very disease it's supposed to prevent. There's also a host of weird kind of uh, things that can happen. If you look up the SARS vaccine that they tries to, tried to make for that, it killed people like crazy. And the reason was, was some kind of weird sort of reaction that people had that didn't have anything to do with the stuff I'm talking about. Just some, some other thing that, that can happen with them that killed people. So there's plenty of reasons 
that vaccines are terrible. That's not to say, and I don't know this for sure. I, I don't have any proof to say they, they truly work, but I'm assuming that they do uh, in the right circumstances. And therefore, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a vaccine what, uh, for at least any kind of biblical reason or whatever. Forced vaccines really irks me from my libertarian standpoint. I would probably protest it. Uh, I would probably, and I certainly mainly wouldn't take it. And his, you know, his, his options here are do it, fight, hide. My, my thinking at that point is to, first of all, delay. Do every single delay tactic I can as I gather information to see, is it killing people? What is happening here? And I know that's not a perfect solution because, uh, you know, maybe it takes years or two years for whatever it's going to do to do it to you. But my first, my first thing is delay. Certainly, if they're going to force the what whole world to get a vaccine, uh, it's not going to be an overnight job, right? So, uh, so that's my first thing: delay, uh, protested on libertarian grounds. But again, it depends on how crazy the world is at this point, how many people die. That's kind of one of the reasons I hope this whole thing gets over quickly and the hydrochloroquine thing just, you know, works and we don't have to go down this huge whole road of everybody's grandparents and parents and people dying because that'll make them even more crazy and all this stuff, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I delay. Um, and then if the side effects aren't that bad, if the science makes sense, if it really is a vaccine, if I have to get the, the papers in order to work or whatever, I take it. I take it. Um, and the reason is I don't want to die on that hill. Uh, if all that stuff makes sense and I, and I, you know, I feel like it's not going to hurt my health, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the Antichrist or whatever, unless the Antichrist, I mean, it could. I mean, if the Antichrist was sitting in the temple and declaring himself to be God during all this stuff, I'd, probably, I'd be having a different you know, view on this. But since that's unlikely to be the case, then yeah, I probably do it because as I said, I'm not going to die on that hill. I've got other things I want to do in terms of ministry, in terms of, uh, you know, doing damage to this satanic system. I've got bigger, bigger fish to fry than, um, than, you know, protesting this situation and, and not being able to work or whatever, because I don't have my papers, please. Yes, it's going to be terrible to live in Nazi Germany. Uh, I would prefer that I didn't have to live in Nazi Germany. So uh, that's, I think, what I wanted to say about this. I hope I got my uh, points across here. If you are interested about does the coronavirus have anything to do with the seals or whatever, I answered that two podcasts ago, so you might want to check that one out. The previous podcast was just uh, me ranting about uh, coronavirus. Um, thanks again to everybody who's been downloading these shows. I've been trying to get them out, uh, whenever I have something to think about or talk about. If you have a question about Bible prophecy, send them to me. Uh, Chris at Chris White Ministries is a good place to, oh, I didn't think to mention this before. Um, but I helped to produce an audio book, uh, uh, by, Ro uh, Robert, uh, Van Campen, The Rapture Question Answered. And if you haven't heard it, it's one of these things that really changed my entire perspective about the rapture. It was the one book that was just written so well. It was just, it was hugely important to me. So I reached out to his estate and Robert Van Campen was just an amazing guy. Uh, and they allowed me to produce this audiobook, and it turned out excellent. So if you go to Audible, uh, you can uh, download the rapture question answered. If you don't already have an Audible account, you can get this book for free. And I think they may even be doing two books for free. I don't know. They were at one time, but you can get it for free if you want to sign up for a free trial of Audible. I love Audible. I listen to it all the time. 
but in any case, check that out. The Rapture Question Answered by Robert Van Campen. It is excellent. Anyway, thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.